Do you believe that the Lord God Almighty by the power of Holy Spirit can fill you with a great joy this season? Like, do you believe despite your circumstances and despite your heartache and despite the pain you might be in, despite the, the different, maybe sad news or hard news you've received, do you believe that in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of his incarnation and what he has come to bring, that you and your life and this church can be filled by supernatural means of the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that you could know once again a joy, a joy inexpressible, a joy unspeakable. Listen, a great joy found in Jesus Christ. Hello and Merry Christmas from Live in the Light. My name is Craig and I get to host this program and I also get to introduce our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. And Robbie, it is the Christmas season and if it's one thing I know about you, it's that you love Christmas. Yes, and Craig, not only your favorite, well, one of your favorite Christmas songs, which is... You're going to make me go there. Sure, sure, do it. Dominic the Donkey. Yeah, because you used to live in Chicago as a student. And tell us a little bit of background behind that. Well, it is is like this most requested song on Chicago radio airways. It's about this Italian donkey. Maybe our listeners have heard the song before. Completely devoid of any real authentic Christmas meaning. But it has... Uh, a fun track to it. Yes. And it's like mandatory playlist in our time of year. Right, house. but it won't be making the background music for here at Live in the Light, will it? No, not at all. No, not at no, all. no. No, yeah. because because and Tristan, we and we enjoy some of the fun parts of Christmas too, but we most love again the meaning and the power and the reality of the gift of Christmas, Jesus Christ. And Live in the Light listeners, we get to begin a week here of going through the gospel narrative of the incarnation. We're so excited about that. Oh, I never ever tire of it. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and 2. We pray you will be so encouraged as you are reminded and renewed in what Jesus did as he became man. He took on flesh for us. So we're going to start today with the story of the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary to unfold God's plan for life eternal. That's going to be the gift for us through Jesus Christ the Lord. So Craig, I'm excited about that. I guess we're going to jump right in and get started. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go right ahead to Luke chapter 1 and that amazing story Robbie referred to that unfolds in Galilee with Mary. May the Lord lead us all and hey, Merry Christmas to you all. All right, let's get to God's word and let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 26 to 38. Hey, loved ones, it's December. Hard to believe, isn't it? It's December, and that means we're heading off to Bethlehem. We're going to head off to Bethlehem. And why are we doing that? Because we're seeking some good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. A quick survey. All in favor of good news? Okay, good, good. You got some right here. And, and, and all in favor of some joy. And, and listen, amen, amen. And listen, not just like uh, kind of, I read this morning, not just some kind of halfway joy, uh, not just some mediocre joy. Uh, there's, this, is, this is being delivered some, some good news of, tell me, great joy, great joy. A few people here at the front got it. Let's do that as a church. Good news of 
Great joy, great joy. Now, loved ones, here's the prayer, okay? So I got in my chair this morning and I began the Advent season. I have to admit, like I'm a, I'm a Christmas guy, I pray for the right reasons. I've been a little slower this year. I just had kind of, you know, I feel the heart a little bit turning, some different distractions or whatever. I got in my chair though today and my Bible and coffee was there. The Christmas tree lights was on. I'm really excited about that. And I, I had about three or four Advent devotionals beside me. And I started to read those and just to understand, listen, the opportunity for joy now, but listen, the opportunity for great joy really, really comes down to a place of faith right now. Do you believe that the Lord God Almighty by the power of Holy Spirit can fill you with a great joy this season? Like, do you believe despite your circumstances and despite your heartache and despite the pain you might be in, despite the, the different, maybe sad news or hard news you've received, do you believe that in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of his incarnation and what he has come to bring, that you and your life and this church can be filled by supernatural means of the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that you could know once again a joy a joy inexpressible, a joy unspeakable. Listen, a great joy found in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Because I'm telling you, the Lord does. And I'm starting to. I'm starting to believe that in a serious way. There is no joy like the Jesus joy that we can have as we set our gaze upon him. And a little bit of faith will take you and I so far. And so I'm just, I implore you, I implore you. This is not phrases of cliches that we've heard all of our lives. This is an invitation from God Almighty. I'm tempted right now to walk down the aisle and try to look every person right in the eyes. And just to plead with you, if we all pray for this kind of joy together and we ask and we seek and we knock, I'm telling you, I believe it's going to happen. It might happen when you don't expect it. It might happen when you are longing for it in that moment. It might happen when you're by yourself. It might happen when you're with your family. It might happen in this setting right here. But I'm just telling you, if all of us sincerely seek and pray for the joy that is so great, the joy that can't be understood by the world, if we all seek that together, I believe in this series and at this time, we will know the good news of great joy. Do it, Holy Spirit. Amen, church. Fill us, Lord. Change our lives and satisfy us with you alone. Every year at Christmas, lives are eternally changed, eternally changed forever. Many, many people go from death to life right here in this room or through the ministry of the people of this church. And every year, uh, souls of believers are awakened again to the reality of the glory of the incarnation in Jesus Christ. So why not you? And why not me right now? Here's our sermon title for this weekend, it's this. Good news, here's the plan. Good news, here's the plan for this great joy and here's the plan how this good news is going to come upon us. Christmas is ultimately, think of it this way, I, just, I love big picture stuff, right? Christmas is ultimately the plan of God coming together. Think about that. Before the foundations of the world, God knew in his perfect sovereignty and his ability to know all things about everything, he knew what his plan would be before you and I were even a thought. Before the foundations of the world, God knew of his plan. Christmas is the initiation of this plan that was devised before the world was even formed. The plan of rescuing humans from their sin, the plan of sending his love to earth in the form of his son, the plan of sending light to destroy the darkness. Good spot for an amen. Christmas when seen with eyes of faith, 
is one of those moments when you say, I love it when a plan comes together. I love that saying, by the way. I, I love like in life when you plan something and you kind of work hard at it and it comes, I love sitting back, oh man, I love it when a plan comes together, okay? How much did God say that in infinity as he watched his son come down to earth and the way the plan unfolds exactly as God decides and says, I love when a plan comes together. That's Christmas. Christmas under the sovereignty of God. And the reason we are here now, 2,000 years later, against all odds, against any human explanation, how is it possible that we are gathering here in a continent that wasn't even known it existed? In a nation that wasn't formed until 1,850 years later? Living in this time, in this place, so far away from where Jesus originated and was sent. And here we are, 2,000 years later, alive in Jesus Christ, filled with the Spirit. We are here because God had a plan and he sent his son forth and the world will never be the same again. It just fills you with faith to just even think about that much right now. That's the glory and the awesome reality of Christmas. I haven't even got to point one yet. I'm so excited. I mean, this is just the reality of what God does and in his word. So this plan is going to end up in Bethlehem and at least in, in our series, but our first stop is Nazareth. Now we got ready for point one. Point one is this, ready? God's plan is sent. God's plan is sent. Be ready. Be ready. Look at verse 26, chapter one of Luke. I just love Luke's gospel so much. I love, I love the whole thing. It's like a favorite of mine. In Luke 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, that's of um, Elizabeth's pregnancy, carrying over from verses 24 and 25. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Let's just stop there for a second. I love the phrase in verse 26. See that? Sent from God. Sent from God. That's an absolutely loaded statement. Think about that. Gabriel was sent from God. Now, now remember, at the time of the incarnation, which is Jesus taking on human flesh, the waiting, the longing, the hoping. Listen, the silence though. 400 years from Malachi, God was silent. Four centuries of silence on behalf of God. And then consider here in Luke 1, we see the initiation of God's plan of redemption to save the world from its sins. Think of how much of scripture surrounds and points to this point right here of the plan of God taking action on earth. And let's look at one example. Genesis 3, verse 15. This is called the Proto-Evangelium. A fancy word that means first gospel. The first time the gospel appears in scripture occurs in the first book of scripture in the third chapter where it says this. God speaking again in the context of the of the conflict between Satan and Eve, Satan, Adam, and Eve, and of course representing Satan and Christ. God says, I will put enmity, conflict between you, Satan. I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, okay? And between your offspring, 
and her offspring. Now, this then is, is relating to the hostility that will exist between Satan and Christ until finally Satan is dealt with when Jesus Christ returns for a second time. Notice, he, Christ, shall bruise. So here comes the first gospel right here, okay? This is the prophecy, again, from the first book, pointing ahead to thousands of years later. Christ shall bruise the head. We'll get to that in a second. Notice, and but Satan, you shall bruise his heel. What does that mean? Well, bruises heal means that this is the result of the crucifixion, that man in their sinfulness and Satan and his cackling demons, they think they've won. They see Jesus die on the cross. But of course, we know this is not his ultimate defeat. This is under the plan of God. But the, the real prophecy comes then, but Christ shall bruise or crush the head of Satan because he dies, but he doesn't stay dead. He is raised from the dead. Genesis 3.15 is the first mention of the gospel that points to the plan of God that takes action now in Luke's gospel with the annunciation that Christ is about to be born. How awesome is God's word? It's awesome. Not to mention, as you look at the rest of the Old Testament, approximately, ready, 350 prophecies concerning the Messiah. 350. All the expectation, all the anticipation. And here it is in our text before us right here. The plan commences and it goes into action. It's hard to read the Christmas story. You might have read this like I have hundreds of times, but it's hard to really get some context and be like, oh man, that's, that's a bit of a big deal. And it is. Now, I'm not sure how this all happened, but I got to imagine that Gabriel was pretty excited. And God says, all right, go. Go, man, give the news. I mean, he's, he's reverently awaiting the command to go. The God Almighty in his utter holiness, in his infinite love, he says to Gabriel, he says, it's go time. It's go time. Gabriel doesn't need, doesn't need to hear it twice, man. He's boom, off he goes to Nazareth, to the middle of nowhere, to a bunch of nobodies. It's the most incredible message the world has ever heard. What I want you to see right now in the story of Christmas itself, the very understanding of the incarnation, notice the mission of God in Christmas. Gabriel was sent from God. Notice the mission of God, the mission of God in the salvation of the world, loved ones. Christmas is mission. It's God's mission for the earth. Now listen, Christmas is mission for us. Gabriel sent from God to declare this news. We now, we now take the reality of Christmas and the gospel and we are sent also. We are sent from God to make disciples of all nations. Christmas time is mission time. That's why we gather to pray on December 22nd. That's why in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and our friends, we take the mission of the gospel surrounded in the opportunity of Christmas and want to be used to shine the light in the darkness. Christmas's mission. Look, look at verse 27. Notice to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. So a virgin named Mary is introduced here. It says she is betrothed to a man named Joseph. Now you should have a footnote beside the word betrothed in your Bible. And if you have it like in my Bible, it says um, they were legally pledged to be married. So it's helpful to know the understanding behind the Jewish engagement, okay? The Jewish engagement and Jewish marriage, it had two stages. The first stage of a Jewish marriage was the stage of engagement or betrothal. Um, this involved a witness and an agreement to marry and the exchange of a bride price. 
So at this point in the text, Mary would legally belong to Joseph. Uh, She would be referred to as his wife. The second stage of marriage that would occur about approximately a year later was when the marriage ceremony would actually take place. This is when the husband would actually go take his wife and then take her home where they would live together and then start their life together officially. All of this sets up verse 28. And he came to her, Gabriel, and said, Greetings, O favored one. Just think of how you respond if you were married to that. Hey, what's up, Mary? I mean, greetings has a flavor sometimes of it's, a, it's kind of a casual greeting. Maybe Gabriel's kind of tiptoeing in. Do you want to scare her? You ever find that with people? You can sneak up beside someone. You're trying to like kind of, I'm here. I don't want to scare you. Everyone else do that. But here's Gabriel. He walks in and he's just like, greetings, Mary. Favored one. The Lord is with you. Again, Gabriel must have been pretty excited. Here's what I want us to see about God's plan of redemption in verse 28. Notice this. It's an extraordinary God working with ordinary people. I'll say that again. It's an extraordinary God working with ordinary people. See, why do you say that? Well, notice this message came at a time. Verse 26, the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Notice this message came at a place, Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, okay, Nazareth at best was a plain town. Probably a lot worse than that. Remember Nathaniel? Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And just trashing Nazareth. The way Nazareth was thought of compared to other parts of Judea and especially Jerusalem. I mean, Nazareth was a small, obscure and not regarded highly town. I think it's safe to say that Nazareth was the armpit of Israel. No, it was. Like, really, if you really study in the commentaries and figure out, it's like, it was, it was, it was held in very low regard. You probably were embarrassed in some ways if you came from this region compared to other regions. But this message came a time and a place and notice it came to a person. It came to people, Mary and Joseph specifically. And watch this, ready? Normal people doing their duty, going about life, trying to be faithful. And Gabriel says, greetings, old favorite one, the Lord is with you. You know, Martin Luther points out this. He says, the Lord could have easily have gone to the daughter of the high priest in all her fancy clothing and all her riches in all her prominence and all her, and that would kind of make sense, right? If you're going to announce the birth of the son of God coming to earth, you find the most important person that you can, the most important woman in this case, and you announce to her in all her kind of glory that you're going to use her. The Lord doesn't do that. He, he chooses a lowly, really a peasant girl, a teenage, young teenage, probably between 12 and 14 years old very poor peasant girl from a very lowly town. Think of what we learn about God and his plan at this first Christmas. Think of what God is impressed with. He's not impressed with what the world is impressed with. He's impressed with the heart that wants to be used by him. Notice then how much the Christmas story is dripping with grace. Readings, O favor, when the Lord is with you. Much has been made of this verse, much by the Catholic Church. Hail Mary, full of grace, okay? Let's just get one thing straight, okay? It is not wrong to honor Mary in terms of she was set apart in a special way. After all, Elizabeth says in verse 43 of chapter one, uh, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? All right, so listen to that. 
There's one woman in the history of the world, one woman out of the billions and billions of women who've ever lived and been born. And Mary is the one that is allowed to carry in her womb the son of God. I mean, that's a pretty special honor, right? She says in her Magnificat, which we'll get to in this series, Lord willing, can't wait, pretty exciting. She says, now all generations shall call me blessed. Yes, Mary, that's, that's a good word because you are blessed and since you were carrying around in your womb, again, Jesus, the son of God. Boom, right? That hurts your mind. However, what we need to know about Mary, as much as she was a woman of God, it is wrong to magnify her. We can honor her. We don't worship her. We don't magnify her. Mary, listen, in this text, she is a recipient of grace only. She is not a dispenser of grace. She has no ability to give grace to others any more than you and I do. But she's a recipient of grace. But this just in, if you're alive in Jesus Christ, you are a recipient of grace too. So the angel says, greetings, Mary. Oh, for everyone, the Lord is with you. Let's apply the gospel of Christmas to our lives right now. Are you alive in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, listen, the Lord's saying hi to you too, okay? And he's saying you're favored. You're a child of God, man. You are a son or daughter of the king. Uh, You're pretty favored. You're pretty favored and you're pretty blessed, okay? And listen, and last time I checked, the Lord is with you every second of your life. You have been filled by the Holy Spirit of God and he will never leave you or forsake you. So in every case, Christmas is special, I get it. Luke 1 is special. This Annunciation to Mary, it's special. It never happened like this again. But when you apply the truths and the beauty of the gospel, God's plan is that every person would know the favor of God as they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ as well. That's pretty awesome, okay? The gospel, watch, comes though to the needy. Think of what the Annunciation tells us and gives us a picture of the gospel itself. Here's Mary, again, just lowly Mary. Jesus would go on to say when he was raised and started his ministry, he would say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The very idea of the Annunciation gives us a picture of who God works within. Point number one, God's plan is sent. Point number two, we see this, God's plan is now defined. Let's take some courage. It's now defined, take courage. Look at verse 29 now. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying. Notice the text doesn't say she was greatly troubled at the sight. I mean, that must've been shocking. But what really troubled her was what, the angel Gabriel said to her, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. That's a strong theme in the Christmas story. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. For you have found favor with God. Notice the humility of Mary here. Notice her response isn't like, what took you so long, Gabriel? Of course you chose me. Duh. Been waiting for you. Like, how come you didn't come sooner? I'm obvious the choice of God. She's not doing it all. Her response is a mixture of fear and wonder and confusion. And you can blame her. Like, kind of, what's going on? Gabriel has been sent from the very presence of God. That is awesome to me. He's in the presence of God. And God's like, go. Gabriel comes down and, and he knows what's happening. It's just, this is, this is really, really neat to me. And he says, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. Here's a principle for our lives then, ready? To know the plan of God is to know the courage of God. Or you can say it this way. 
with the favor of God conquers the fear of man or favor conquers fear. Is there anything more powerful than the favor of God upon your life? For example, if God is for you, yes, then who can be against you? Think about that. You're like, lots of people are against me. My own family's against me. The, my boss at work seems to be against me. The people around me in the community seem to be against me. There's people against me. They're out to get me. But in the end, but in the end listen, if God is for you, if God is for you eternally and sufficiently and perfectly and the God Almighty, if God is for you, <coughs> then and who really can be against you? Some guy? Some punk? Some, some, some wicked person? No, I, I like your chances, man. If God is for you, I, I like your chances. Your chances are perfect. Perfect victory in your favor. Ready, ready, ready? Think of Christmas this year. Like, do yourself a favor. Christmas is God's plan being for you. I mean, like, sit, sit and stare at the tree and think about that or ponder the text and just think about that. Listen to a Christmas carol and think. The Christmas in its essence is the plan of God stating that if I'm alive in Jesus Christ, that he's for me because he sent his son for me because he loves me. That fills me with courage. If God is for me, well, it doesn't matter what you do because in the end, I'm with the Lord forever. Notice the plan of God now detailed. Look at verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Huh? And you shall call his name Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Oh, it's so good. Put yourself in Mary's shoes, okay? Don't be afraid, Mary. The plan of God is here. She's like, what plan? What does this plan look like? Here it is. You will bear a son. His name will be Jesus. Jesus uh, means Jehovah is salvation. This child will be the savior of the world. He will be great, meaning no one will ever be greater, ever, than this child born to you, Mary. A slight tangent, but so on course. John Piper, he said this. He says, a Christian ashamed of Jesus is like a candle ashamed of the sun. The majesty and the greatness of Jesus. He will be called the son of the most high means he is the son of God. He will receive the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. This refers to the promises made by God all those centuries ago. They're all fulfilled and his child, more specifically and accurately, his son, Jesus the Christ. And then Gabriel says, his kingdom will not end. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. Yeah, are you like me when you see the word kingdom now after I seek first the kingdom series? You see the word kingdom, it's like, it's like kind of pops from the text. Hey, there's his kingdom again. It's awesome. His kingdom will have no end. I mean, you want to be on the right team, get into God's kingdom. Because his kingdom never ends. The kingdoms of earth, they come and go. They falter, they die. The kingdom of God lasts 
forever. Christmas is the arrival of his kingdom. Jesus, when his ministry starts, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is the personification of the kingdom of God, his rule, his reign, his glory here on earth. Loved ones, seek first the kingdom because that's the kingdom that lasts. Don't seek first the earth. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom. But Christmas is so awesome. If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these free resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's liveinthelight.ca. If you'd like to get a copy of the entire series, make sure you phone us at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. Live in the Light exists to see radical transformation in God's people through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that through the faithful and passionate preaching of God's word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. Our prayer is as people are impacted by living the light, they will be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light.